Thank you for listening to Sozo Church in Spokane, Washington. For more information on Sozo Church, visit sozospokane.com. Sozo Church. How's everybody doing this morning? I have, I have said it before, I'll say it again. I, I enjoy worshiping with you people. Glad you all agree. Um, we're going to go ahead and uh, jump right in this morning, apparently. People are like, just, just preach, dude. Uh, we're going to do something that we very rarely, in fact, this may be in our nearly three-year history, Maybe the only time I've ever done this. Um, we typically preach here in, um, in series, where we're in, in the midst of a series all the time. And, and we do that because we, we like to study together and, and hear God's word together and unpack it. And so we either predominantly preach whole books of the Bible or at, at least large passages of the Bible. So this morning we're going to do two things that are odd for us. Um, we're going to do a one-hit wonder, as I call it, just a, a one message not tied to a series. Also something we're going to do that's a little different is we're going to go ahead and dismiss junior hires. See how I did that there? Professional. If you're in junior high, uh, we have junior high small group this week. So Megan, the chick that was playing that really long guitar over there, she's in a purple shirt right there. If you're in junior high, you can go ahead and head down with her downstairs. She has goodies for you and stuff. Can we get up for junior hires as they go real fast? Come on. Amen. Um, now back to what I was really saying. Uh, we're, we're in the midst of uh, kind of a, a weird thing here because we're doing just this one single message this morning. Uh, just felt like I, I, I needed to speak into something. You know, we've um, just finished up a uh, rather profound season for us as a church. We've gotten reports of God doing some pretty outrageously miraculous stuff in and through um, this season that we called The Exchange, where we were looking at Isaiah 61 um, through our, our fasting and, and prayer, through just coming together and really setting our, our hearts, setting, the way I like to put it, is setting our attention and our affection solely on Jesus. Taking a season and just really uh, pressing into that. And uh, if you have reports of things God has done in your heart, through your heart, in your life, through your life, that you'd like to share with us, please do that in any way you would choose. Write in a letter, come talk to us, email, Facebook, Twitter, I don't know, just whatever you would want to do uh, to get that information. We love hearing uh, testimonies of what God's doing. And there's, there's a part of me, um, see if you guys would agree with this, that doesn't want to leave that place. When God begins to meet you in a place and God begins to, to touch you in a way that is significant, profound, and, and I would even use the term unique, um, there's a tendency for us to kind of want to camp there and just kind of hang out. And certainly we don't want to be a people who rush past what the Lord's doing. Amen. But at the same time, there's a significant and profound truth that what is a blessing from God in one season of our life can be a curse from God in another season. I'm reminded of the children of Israel as they wandered through the wilderness 
God provided for them, the scripture says, manna, which is this, this little flaky bread-like substance. And, and they were in the wilderness, they were wandering, they, were, they had been slaves, they didn't have provisions, and, and so God provided for them. And he fed them every morning. They would wake up, the Bible says, and they would collect manna. They would go and collect this stuff. However, if they, they were only allowed, they were only told to collect enough for that day. If they tried to be greedy, come on, and collect more, the scriptures say that it would begin to rot, stink, and, and grow maggots in it. So what was a blessing today will be a curse tomorrow. And what, I, what my heart is to try to do as your pastor is to try to use this week, if I could, to take us from where God has had us and help us see where God's taking us. Because I believe the scriptures. Okay, good. Three of you are with me and that's enough for me. So I, I believe the Bible. And I believe when the Bible says that God takes us not from a, a good season to a bad season, but rather the scriptures say he moves us from faith, come on, to faith. He moves us from glory to glory. Now, that doesn't mean that everything always just gets better and better and your life's wonderful and, and you go from, from bronze underwear to silver underwear to gold underwear and it's just great. All your problems go away. No, what it means is that, that as good as the season is here, God is moving you on, not because he's trying to punish you or trying to keep something good from you, but rather because there's something good for you in another season as well. And so I, my hope is to try to um, direct us through this one message this morning to where I believe God is calling us and leading us as a people and as a church. So... Um, for that, I'm going to go ahead and have us read uh, some scriptures together this morning. I've got these for you to read there. If you're following along through uh, the app, you can do that as well on your flat screen. Or if you're old school like me and actually still believe in chopping down trees and making Bibles, uh, you, can, you can turn to these if you want to try to keep up. First is Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, it says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us. Then I said, here am I, send me. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. It says, therefore we, believers, Christians, redeemed, those who have experienced the goodness, faithfulness, and graciousness of God, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then Luke chapter 14, verse 23. says, And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in. Catch this last bit, please. That my house may be filled. Let's go ahead and pray together. Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning for the living, active, powerful, breathing, life-giving word that you've given us in your scriptures. God, we know that, that you used human hands to deliver a divine message to us. And so as we open your word today, as we open the scriptures today, as we seek your face through your word, God, we ask not that we would have an encounter with the Bible. We ask that we would have an encounter with Jesus. That Jesus, you would speak to our hearts, that you would speak into our lives, that you would transform us by your word, through your word, and for your glory. We ask, Jesus, that as we hear you, we would 
we would be able to perceive what it is you're saying, receive what it is you're saying, and be transformed by the obedient response that your grace gives us in hearing your word. God, we want to be doers of your word, not just hearers. We don't want to just hear you speak. We want to do what it is that you call us to. So God, we ask for the grace to hear you and the grace to obey you. For your glory, for your honor, for your renown. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Come on, everybody said. All right, we're going to be looking this morning. um, I wanted to just kind of get some of those verses into our heads and just kind of get that as a as a foundation if you've got your bibles though still out what the, the passage we're going to be looking at this morning and actually unpacking is 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 found in the book of mark such a beautiful named book just rolls off the tongue mark chapter 4 verse 35 um a little bit of backstory here uh really fast just so that we're all kind of on the same page jesus is Ministry has begun. He's, he's healing people. He's, he's teaching the word to people. He's delivering the message of the kingdom to people's hearts. What we heard about for the last uh, seven or eight weeks in Isaiah 61 where he said, I'm coming to proclaim a message. He's doing that. And, and great crowds are beginning to be drawn. And, and, and great, if I can use this word without freaking anybody out, great success has come his way in ministry. And we pick up the story now in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day, on the day that good things are happening. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, that is his disciples, Jesus says to his disciples, let us go across to the other side. Now, just for the sake of understanding what's going on, they're hanging out by the sea, by the, by the Sea of Galilee, this, the largest freshwater body in, in the nation of Israel. They're hanging out in front of what we would call a big lake. In Scripture, they call it a sea. And he says, let's, let's, let's go across to the other side. Leaving the crowds, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose And the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Everybody say, that's bad. You don't have to be an expert fisherman, an expert nautical traveler to understand that boat in a bad equals, water in a boat equals bad. I'm good at talking. Water in a boat is bad, right? Water in the bathtub, good. Water in a boat, bad. Verse 38. But he, I love this, but he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. Did y'all read the Bible when you read the Bible? Because here's what I see. I see a bunch of experienced fishermen. These are dudes who have grown up on the water, right? They've lived their life. They've made their living fishing on this very lake. This is, this is not like new thing to them. This is them. They've, they've lived here. They've hung out. And all of a sudden, a storm comes up, and they're freaking out. And Jesus is asleep in the back of the boat. I love Jesus. It says, and they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke 
and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? So Jesus is, is hanging out. He's having, he's having a good time in ministry. He's ministering to people. He's fulfilling his calling. Everything's good. The disciples are probably freaking out because there's success, right? We, we like it when things work. We, we enjoy it when things begin to move forward. And I'm sure his disciples are super excited about all the amazing things that are happening. They're seeing the kingdom of God made manifest, made real, made physical in and through their lives. They're seeing Jesus do impossible things and the crowd's beginning to gather. And I'm sure they're starting to think about putting up a sign, right? And we'll put up a sign and, and we'll, we'll get a commercial on the radio telling people where we are. We'll put up a tent. Come on, that's what Pentecostals do, right? We put up tents and, and we'll put up a tent and we'll have a good time. And all of a sudden out of nowhere, Jesus is like, let's go to the other side of the lake. And I, and I, I guarantee you the disciples are going, but dude, we got something good here. People are showing up. They're bringing us free stuff. The offerings are good. Let's just keep going here. Yet Jesus says there's there's something on the other side. I'd like to talk to us this morning under the title, if you need one, Let Us Cross Over. You see, what the disciples didn't know was there was a dude hanging out on the other side of the lake. Now, before you get all excited about hearing about this dude... Uh, I need to let you know, our next series starts next week. We'll talk about it more in a little bit. We're going to be looking through uh, the Gospel of Luke. We're going to preach through the whole book and study it together, and it's going to be awesome. Amen? And we'll get to hear about this guy later. So I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but, but this, 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 this gentleman is living in, in the tombs. He's living in what we would call a graveyard. He's demon-possessed. They can't even keep him chained up. Even with chains, the Bible says he can break the chains because of the demons that live inside of him. And he's over there bound and, and, and held captive and demon-possessed. And Jesus says, I know there's good success here, but we need to cross over over there because there's somebody waiting for us. I would like to propose to you that that what it is that the Lord is calling us as a church to do is to cross over from the place where we've been to a place that he's calling us. I would like to call us and say, let us cross over. Let's, let's move from this place. Now, let me unpack this a little bit here for you, what I believe he's speaking to us. I believe that where we've been has been a good place. Amen? God's been doing amazing things in us. Amen? I believe that this side that we're on now has been a good side. I'm not knocking it. I'm not, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm not saying it wasn't good. I'm saying it was great. And I believe this side is the side where, where we have become comfortable, where we've enjoyed his goodness, where we've enjoyed his presence, where we've experienced the touch of God in our life. And I believe as we cross over, the Lord is calling us to a place of saying, I've done something in you. Please hear me. Now I long to do something through you. This side has been all about what the Lord's done in us. That side is about what the Lord would have 
would do through us in the lives of others. This side is about me. That side is about them. But through it all, come on somebody, it's all about. I'll give you another chance later. So as they look at this and as they they see this, I I want us to understand that that there is a calling on us as a church right now, I believe, to cross over. We need to move from a place because, because if all we do is build a holy huddle unto ourselves, what real purpose do we have for the kingdom? If we're not ministering, if we're not moving like Jesus, then why are we calling ourselves the body of Christ? The church is the only organization that I know of that identifies itself as something and then utterly abandons that very thing. If we're not loving people like Jesus loved people, if we're not ministering to people like Jesus ministered to people, let me just put it bluntly, if we're not preaching the gospel and making disciples like Jesus did, we ought not call ourselves the body of Christ. We ought to call ourselves the fan club of what Jesus used to do. Not quite as catchy. I want to talk to us this morning, if I could, about the three obstacles I believe that stand in the way of us crossing over to the other side. Because here's what I don't want to do this morning. I don't want to preach a message that tries to get us hyped up about something that we're never going to do. See, first thing I need us to understand is that ministry is not what takes place on Sunday morning from a platform. Equipping for ministry is what takes place on Sunday morning from a platform. My job is not to do ministry right now. This is not ministry. This is me as, a, as one who, what the Bible would call, and I know if you're new to the church and everything, this might weird you out a little bit, but the Bible says that Jesus put within his church five specific types of people. It's apostles prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And the Bible says that he put those in his body to equip his body to go do the work of the ministry. That's what I'm trying to do here is equip us for the work of the ministry so that when we go out from this place and the real ministry starts, come on somebody, you can be effective in what it is that God's called you to do. So my hope this morning is to try to make this as down and and practical and non-hypey as absolutely possible. Can I get an amen from at least one person who's excited about not being hyped up? We've had enough fog and smoke machines and hype in the church for the rest of its existence. It was cool. It was fun. Let's move on. Three obstacles that I believe come against us when we try to cross over to the other side. The first, let me just be blunt, is our flesh. We don't like to move. I'm not going to do this because my wife loves you. I was planning on making everybody move today. I was going to make you get out of your seat, move all your stuff, and find another seat somewhere else. And y'all were going to hate me, and she was like, don't do it. I said, why not? She said, because I don't want to. (laughs) Okay, we don't like to move, do we? We we don't (laughs) like to move. When when my my wife and I, we we just bought a house and and we're getting it all fixed up and everything. And my brain, because I come from a family like this, I think, okay, we bought a house, we'll get it all fixed up and then we'll sell it. And we'll buy a bigger, nicer house and we'll move. And my wife looks at me like, I'm going to punch you in the throat. We don't like to move. We don't like to pack up all of our stuff and move. This is, this is not some deep spiritual thing I understand. The, 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 the laws of motion tell us this, right? Something at rest, come on, wants to stay at rest. 
It doesn't want to move. Anybody with kids that ever tries to get them up in the morning for the first morning of school after summer break knows your kids don't like a body at rest. Hello, somebody wants to stay at rest. The only way to to overcome this is for an outside force, according to the laws of physics, to to enforce itself on this body at rest. We like to stay at rest. We like to rest here. I think the reason we like to rest, I'm not going to get too deep into this. I think the reason why we like resting is because we're, we're comfortable. Amen? Anybody else have a really nice bed? I love my bed. It's awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for making beds. They're great. Really comfortable bed. We get comfortable where we are. We get content with what we have. And I believe a, a, a deeper underlying thing is we believe we have the confidence to believe that we can keep what we have now. So I love you, but part of my job in equipping you is to try to, <laughs> is to, try to make you uncomfortable where you are. That's why I was going to make you get up and move. My job as a preacher, as a pastor, is to make you uncomfortable with where you are to make you discontent with what you have and to utterly and totally shatter the illusion that you are in control at all. Everybody take a breath. Just go ahead, right now, go ahead. DDB breath and breathe it. Mr. Miyagi, in the nose, out the mouth. Go ahead and take a breath. Do you realize that the scriptures say that that breath that you just took and every breath you took before and every breath you will ever take is purely 100% and in totality a gift from Jesus? You don't get to pick how long you live here. I've said this for a long time. I say it to young people a lot who maybe have gone through struggles. Maybe you've gone through struggles. Maybe you've gone through some bad stuff. And you think you no longer have a purpose because you've jacked up your life so bad. You've chosen the wrong path for so long that you, you can no longer have a purpose in the kingdom. Well, my good news to you is this, that God is not a waster of his resources. Amen? God doesn't waste anything. He's investing breath in you. That means you still have a purpose. If you didn't, God would go... Suck the air out of your lungs. You'd fall over dead and everyone would look and go, what happened to Johnny? And we'd go, he doesn't have a purpose anymore. <laughs> so if you're breathing, come on, you've got a purpose. How many of you know God is not schizophrenic? We're excited that we don't serve a schizophrenic God. That means he has a purpose. That purpose is to make Jesus famous. Amen? So your purpose is his purpose to make Jesus famous. So how do we overcome our flesh? So we understand I don't want to move. I'm comfortable, confident, I'm content with what I've got. How do you get over your flesh? I'm going to just be as transparent as I can be. I, I don't like making my life always about other people. I struggle. I'm going to just be totally transparent with you this morning like I haven't been before. Um, I don't always love people. Okay, that was a lie. I don't always even like people. I'm kind of an introvert. You're like, well, you're up here talking in front of people. Yeah, I'm talking. That's, I'm fine with that. I'm not always the most outgoing person in the world. And so when I hear the scriptures say that the Lord in heaven is crying out, whom can I send? Who, who will go for us? I think, I'm really glad Billy Graham's still alive. He can do that. He's really good at it. It's like grandpa, and he's really nice and... It's great. I'm glad that the church has evangelists because I don't have to do it. And I just want to ignore the fact that Paul told Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. (laughs) 
I don't like doing this. I don't like making my life not about me. Am I allowed to say that as a Christian? Is, it, is that an okay thing? Are we in a safe space? But if we're going to cross over, that's what it's about. So how do we get over our flesh? How do we get over our comfortableness? How do we get over our contentness? How do we get over this, this overconfident attitude that we have that we're in control? The reality is there is only one way. You crucify your flesh. I know you were hoping for a nicer, easier, and less painful option. There isn't one. I looked, like, all week. <laughs> looked at the scriptures, like, please, let, let's just be easy, like, isn't there, like, a pill I can take? This is a problem, though. We, we live in a society that is obsessed with having our problems solved by taking pills and eating all of our meals in a microwave, and if it takes more than three minutes and, fi- you know, 35 seconds, it's taking too long. We, we, in our last house, we had a convection oven. Anybody have one of these awesome things? The oven, they have a setting that's convection, and it cooks things like that. We're big Papa Murphy's fans. Anybody else love Papa Murphy's? We love Papa Murphy's. And so, man, it, we got, I got so used to Papa Murphy's with a convection oven, it takes like, like four and a half minutes, and the pizza's perfect. It's proof that God loves us. <laughs> convection oven, it's great. And then we moved into our new house, and the oven we have isn't a convection oven. And I want to know what I did. The Lord would judge me so harshly. Because it takes like 17 minutes to cook a pizza I didn't have to make. Life is tough for me. We like things quick. No, that's not even true. We like things now. (laughs) Okay, that's not true. We like things two minutes ago before we even thought we wanted it. We want it here so that we can decide that we want it. Or not. The reality is there is no quick fix. There is no pill. There is no pop it in a microwave, hit the popcorn button, and it's done. There is no quick, easy way to crucify your flesh. It, It takes time. But here's what I need you to understand. This is the good news. Here's the good news crucifixion is not something you can do to yourself. I don't mean to be morbid here at all. Um, crucifixions, the, the crucifixion of Christ is probably the one thing that just, of all theological depths of the, of the universe, the crucifixion is what confuses me the most. And really, if I'm going to be honest, it's the second nail that confuses me the most. Because, I, I mean, I understand that Jesus was God. Amen? Okay, good. In the right church. Um, Jesus was God, but I also know that he was fully man. And so maybe, this is where my brain goes, maybe he just didn't get it. Is that, am I allowed to say that? Maybe Jesus just didn't understand it. So when they, when they put his feet together, or when they put his arm down, and they drove the 10-inch spike through the carpal tunnel of his wrist and hand, maybe he was just like, ah, maybe it'll tickle. And then it happened. I don't get how... God incarnate with all the power of the universe, let them do that again. Because to me, if I was Jesus, which we should all be glad that I'm not, I would have looked the dude right in the eye and been like, you touch my other wrist and everybody you like is going to cease to exist. Chocolate is going to disappear off the planet. And there will be no Papa Murphy's. (laughs) But yet, because of a greater 
cause, because of the cause of bringing salvation to the earth, Jesus allowed himself to be crucified. And the scriptures tell us that he is our example. So we ought not to be surprised when Jesus says, in order to cross over to the other side, your flesh will need to be crucified. The good news is this, you can't do it yourself. The most you can do is nail your feet and one hand down, and then you're left with an arm. Which is, the, here's the good news. The only person who can bring crucifixion to your flesh, come on, you already know the answer, is Jesus. Jesus is going to give you that as a grace. He will give you the grace to crucify your flesh. Now, let me get really practical. I don't want to leave this out in the la-la land. The most practical gift of grace that Jesus gives us is other believers. So how are you going to crucify your flesh? How are you going to ask Jesus to do that? You're going to find a brother or a sister, and you're going to say, I know that it is my calling, not somebody else's calling, to bring the gospel to my world. Let's unpack this here real fast. I am so sick of us talking about changing the world. Because here's, when we talk about changing the world, we are left with the excuse of, I'm going to change the world. What's the world? I don't know. But it sounds cool and it's good on a t-shirt and a bumper sticker. But I'm not interested in bumper sticker t-shirt following Jesus. I want to know what he's called me to do. And here's the reality. There are people in your life that you know that that, that God has placed there specifically. He's created a world for you. And that's the world that Jesus would call you to proclaim the gospel in. That's the world that he would call you to share his love and his grace and his truth with. That's the world that he would call you to manifest his kingdom in. So how do, you, how do you bring the gospel there? You crucify your flesh. So you, you go to a brother in the Lord. You say, I don't want to do this. I don't like it. So I need your help to kill my flesh. But here's the problem, bro. I got my feet nailed down. I'm not going anywhere. I'm committed to the relationship. And I was able to get one arm down, but I got another one, and I guarantee you I'm going to try to punch you with it. When you come to me and you try to crucify my flesh, I am going to want to hit you. But I'm asking you to help me Hold me accountable. Keep my flesh dead because I know within me nothing good dwells and only Jesus living through me can ever bring his kingdom to people. So we got the flesh. We have our flesh that we need to crucify. The next obstacle, I'm going to go real fast here. These fishermen get out on the lake, right? They get out on the lake and the Bible says that the windstorm arose. I need us to understand this. No experienced fisherman, if he knew a storm was coming, would have been cool with going out on that water. That tells me something significant, and that is this. This was not a natural storm. Now, this may push some of your theology here a little bit, but this, I believe, is a beyond natural storm, a supernatural storm. If I'm going to just completely rip the veil off here, I believe this was a storm from hell. I believe that the devil loves church meetings. The devil is... He is totally cool with you coming here and you sitting in a chair and you hearing a message. He's totally fine with that. Because he knows that we're going to get out at like 11.15, 11.20, and before we get to our cars, we're going to forget well over half of everything that's said. Halfway through the meal that you're going to go eat, you're going to forget another half, and maybe you're going to remember one kind of ridiculous joke that I said, and that's it, and he's cool with that. The devil loves meetings. What he hates is movements. 
So he's fine with you being here. He's fine with you, you know, kind of doing your thing. He's even fine, can I be real? He's even fine with you spending 20 minutes alone with the Lord every morning. Praise God. Maybe you're super spiritual. You spend 30 minutes with him. You're like, dude, you're a Christian for a while. I'm up to an hour. Yeah. It's fine. As long as it doesn't go outside that hour, as long as his kingdom doesn't get outside Sunday morning and the hour every morning you spend with him, he's totally fine with it. But when you try to cross over from this side to that side, where your life isn't about you anymore, but it's about manifesting his goodness in other people's lives, where it's about sharing his grace, proclaiming the gospel, and making disciples, when your life becomes about that, you ought not be surprised that hell comes against you. You ought not be surprised that the boat begins to rock and water begins to come in. So we need to understand, you've got to overcome your flesh. Let's not call everything a devil. Let me just be clear, and we're going we're gonna to get into some of this in the next series. Not some of it, lots of it in the next series as we look through uh, the Gospel of Luke, because Jesus deals with demons in the Gospel of Luke quite often. But what I need you to understand is this. We believe it as a church in demons. They're in the Bible, okay? They're, they're there. So that means sometimes some things that happened are caused by demons. Sometimes it's not, though. The way I like to put it is, my life, ultimately, my flesh is so strong, I don't even think the devil has to try that hard. But sometimes there are demonic things, and so we we crucify our flesh. That's how we overcome the flesh. It's Jesus, right? We trust Jesus. We go to our brothers who Jesus has given us. Crucify the flesh. Here's a shocker. How do we overcome the demonic activity that comes against us. How did they overcome it? Jesus. <laughs> they're there and they're rowing. They're rowing. If you've got to overcome your flesh, the next thing you've got to overcome is the fatigue of you thinking that if you just try hard enough, you can get across. Listen to me. It's not about trying harder. I was going to... I was going to... I was going to do it last week, and I, I didn't, so this week I'm really going to do it. <laughs> no, you're not. I love you. No, you're not. Because it's not about trying harder. If trying harder would have worked, you would have done it already. It's about trusting more. It's about leaning into Jesus and trusting more. What did they do to overcome the storm? They woke up Jesus. Amen? I'm going to read you a, a Bible verse, 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. Paul, talking to Timothy here, says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. God has not given you a spirit of fear. God has not put within you fear. You've you got to overcome fatigue, and you've got to overcome fear. Come on, if you're going to get across to the other side, and how you do that is you wake up Jesus. What is the gift of God that's within you? Is Jesus. You wake up Jesus. These dudes are rowing on the boat when they know they can't make it. Why didn't they just wake up Jesus in the first place? Come on, don't wait until the ship's about to sink in your life. Wake up Jesus. How do, we get, how do we get over the flesh? Crucify our flesh. How do we get over uh, our fear and the fatigue of trying to get across the water? We wake up Jesus. And finally, last but not least, here's what we need to understand. You've overcome your flesh. You've, you've crucified it. You've got somebody who's helping you. You've got somebody who's standing with you and believing with you and, and walking this journey of being more like Jesus every day. And you're, you're, you're proclaiming the word of God. You're trusting Jesus to overcome this, this, this hellish demonic activity in your life. You're seeing victory over it. Here's the good news. 
Once you get through that, that's when the work really starts. Because they get over to the other side, and this is when they meet a demon-possessed guy. And this is really what I want to say to us this morning. I do not believe that the other side is about trying to make people fans of Jesus. I do not believe that the other side is about us trying to get people to pick team church. I do not believe that the other side is about us trying to get people to make a decision to let Jesus into their heart. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. My little children, catch this please, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth, catch this, until Christ is formed in you. Our goal, our job, our mandate from the Lord is not to increase the fan base of Jesus. It's to make disciples. I'm not trying to hoorah, hoorah, let's go win our city and get everybody to pray a prayer and say the four spiritual laws. I'm talking about people, come on, who are willing to labor to see Jesus formed in the hearts of those who he has put in our lives. I'm talking about this church being a movement of people, not just about a meeting, come on, but a movement of people who are desperate to see God do in the hearts and lives of those he places in our life what he's done in ours. See people repent of their sin. See Jesus open and unlock their hearts, come on, and utterly and totally transform their life. Look, if he could do it in your busted life, he can do it in anybody's life. I labor again until Christ is formed in you. How do we do this? We we speak the truth in love. We cry out to God for people. Listen to me. If if Jesus doesn't do it, it ain't ever going to happen. So we rest and trust in Jesus. We're just faithful to do what he's called us to do. Just faithful to be obedient in the little things and in the big things. To share his love and to share his grace and to speak truth into people's lives. Last thing I want us to see is this. This Monday of this week I was having some time alone with the Lord and he spoke something to my heart that I'll be honest, he said to me before, and I've seen it in the scriptures before, but it hit me in such a way that it caused me to lose sleep for a few days. This is, this is Matthew chapter 9, verse 35. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. He's he's crossed over, amen? His life's about other people. He's overcoming the power of hell. Come on, he's he's doing the work. 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. This is what I need you to see. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. 
Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Listen to me. I I love you. The harvest is never the problem. It is always the laborers. Why are we not seeing more conversions in America? There are books and books and countless blogs of really smart people who are writing blaming conversion on the harvest. The problem is the laborers. I'm not talking about easy decisions. I'm not talking about pray this prayer after me. I'm not talking about stand up on a street corner and be a jerk. I'm talking about people willing to do the labor of seeing Christ formed in and through their life in the hearts and lives of those that he puts within their circle. I'm talking about you being used like Jesus was used to change the world. Not the world, sorry, your world. He redeemed you for a purpose. He didn't bring you into the kingdom just so you can warm a semi-comfortable chair for an hour and 15 to 20 minutes on a Sunday morning. You're here for a purpose. If you want to know where I believe God's taking us, he's done an amazing work in our hearts. I believe he wants to do an amazing work through our hearts into the lives of those that he's placed within our circle. I don't know what your sphere of influence is. I don't know what your, your life is like. I don't know what kind of influence or what kind of things he's given to you. All I know is that it's going to take labor to see Jesus formed in people. I'm not talking about easy. I'm not talking about quick. But I, I love, I looked up the Greek word for laborer. It literally means someone who's committed to a job. Now let me try to come alongside and give some help here. I'm going to ask the, the hosts if they would grab... Um, We've got some, some touch cards for you. Now, we don't have to, well, you can throw it up. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 17, verse 21 says something interesting to me. Um, we believe, come on, when we talk about what we're talking about and seeing Jesus formed in people's hearts and lives, what we're talking about is, is seeing the kingdom of God manifest in people's lives. Seeing, seeing people moved, as the scriptures say, from death to life. Amen? This is Jesus speaking, Luke 17, 21. It says, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. He's talking about the kingdom of God. But catch this, what does he say? For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. He's talking to his disciples. You want to know the easiest way to have somebody experience the kingdom of God? This is going to sound really profound. You bring them to church. I know that sounds really unspiritual, but it's true. I don't know about you, but when I worship with you people, I feel Jesus. I don't think that's just something I feel because I've emotionally worked myself up for it. I believe Jesus comes and rests in the midst of his people. So I get that kind of, that the problem with saying that we're going to minister to people who are in our circle of influence is how do you start the conversation? I'm, I'm giving you an out. I'll start the conversation. So what we have, and they'll, they'll go ahead and pass it out. If I can get one of them real fast so I can see it. I'm going to ask everybody to take two of these. They're just little business cards. Um, we're launching our, our new series next week. It's called Saints and Sinners. What we're actually going to be doing, I'm asking everybody to take two. Now, we're starting a series called Saints and Sinners. What we're going to be looking at is, I said we're studying the book of Luke. That is true. 
Um, but how we're studying the book of Luke, actually, is we're going to look at, we're going to try to take Jesus and put skin on him. I know that sounds creepy. What I mean is this. We're going we're to take Jesus out of the, the, the bubble in the sky, off the mountaintop in the Gospels, and we're going to look at how Jesus interacted with individuals. We're going to look at every personal, one-on-one interaction that Jesus had with people. And guess what? Some of them thought they were saints, and some of them thought they were sinners. But all of them found hope in Jesus. Amen? My hope is twofold in this series, and we'll talk about this next week more, but my hope is twofold in this series. One, that those who are far off and think that either they're perfect people and they don't need a Savior, or people who think that they're so screwed up that Jesus couldn't save them, will see that in Jesus there's hope. And my other hope is that we as his people will see how we ought to bring Jesus to those kind of people. So here's what I'm asking. We've invested the church's money in making these cards. I I believe that God calls us as his people to be good stewards. Amen? I mean this as as lightly guilt-trippy as possible. We've invested the church's money. We've invested the kingdom's money in these little cards. I am now entrusting that investment in you, and I am asking you, to invite two people personally next week. I promise you they're going to hear the gospel. I promise you Jesus is going to be here. And I promise you that if we do this, come on somebody, we will see people who are far from Jesus begin to experience his grace, his goodness, and his love. Notice I did not save. You invite two people, we're going to see 50 people come to know Jesus next week. And that's not what it's about. It's about doing the labor, come on somebody, of seeing Jesus formed in the hearts of people evangelism, let me just get real blunt, is not for wusses. So I believe that God will use you to advance his kingdom and make Jesus famous. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about seeing Jesus formed in and through the hearts and lives of people. Amen? So that's my challenge. It's going to take crucifying the flesh, killing some demons, and just praying and trusting Jesus. So you get to this. Here's what I don't want to find out. That these got thrown into your glove compartment or in that little that little hole in the ether in the middle of your car that just things disappear into. We made them small enough. Put them in your wallet. Put them in your purse. Put them in your front pocket. Give them to your barista. Give them to your neighbor. Ask somebody to come to church with you. Amen? That's crazy, and it's out there. But let's do this. Let's go ahead and stand up. Here's what I want to do this morning. We're going to respond with worship. We're going to respond with communion as we do each and every week. Invite the worship team to go ahead and come back up. Respond with communion. We're going to respond as we do. We, we take communion by antiquation where we just take a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. This table's open to all who've put their faith in Jesus. You don't have to have prayed a prayer, signed a document, anything. It's open to everyone who's placed their faith and trust in Jesus. I want to pray for these if we can. Can we do that? Can we believe in, in the power of prayer and in the presence of Jesus? Can we, can we do that together this morning? So if you'll grab these, and if you put them away already, I'm sorry. I'm going to ask you to, I'm going to be mean. I didn't make you move this morning, so I'm already being nicer than I was planning on. Grab your two cards here. Hold them in your hand. I'm going to pray for us. And I'm going to pray that God would use these and make these effective. Amen? Holy Spirit, we thank you this morning. Now that there is a mandate on us as believers... Not to, not to grow some fan club for Jesus. Not to get more butts in seats in a church. God, that has nothing to do with what we're trying to do. 
We're trying to make you famous. We're trying to make much of you. We're trying to see you formed, fashioned, and made, made known in the hearts of the people that you've placed in our lives. So God, we ask that you would, you would use us this week. God, that you would use us this week to, to bring people into your kingdom. You say in your word that, that your kingdom is in the midst of your people. So God, we, we ask that you give us boldness and effectiveness in bringing people into your house. We saw in your word, you like your house full. God, it's not about numbers. It's about souls. It's about people who desperately need you. God, break our hearts for what breaks your heart. God, kill our flesh. Kill my flesh that thinks I've done enough. Jesus, come. Use us this week. Empower us this week. Give us us boldness and grace. But I pray that you would remind us God, that we stand before you by your grace and by your grace alone. 